Section three of Tales of the Jazz Age by F. Scott Fitzgerald. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. The Camel's Back. One. The glazed eye of the tired reader resting for a second on the above title will presume it to be merely metaphorical stories about the cup and the lip and the bad penny and the new broom rarely have anything to do with cups or lips or pennies or brooms this story is the exception it has to do with a material visible and large as life camel's back starting from the neck we shall work toward the tail i want you to meet mr perry parkhurst twenty eight lawyer native of toledo perry has nice teeth a harvard diploma parts his hair in the middle you have met him before in cleveland portland st paul indianapolis kansas city and so forth baker brothers new york pause on their semi-annual trip through the west to clothe him montmorency and company dispatch a young man post haste every three months to see that he has the correct number of little punctures on his shoes he has a domestic roadster now will have a french roadster if he lives long enough and doubtless a chinese tank if it comes into fashion he looks like the advertisement of the young man rubbing his sunset-coloured chest with liniment and goes east every other year to his class reunion i want you to meet his love her name is betty medill and she would take well in the movies her father gives her three hundred a month to dress on and she has tawny eyes and hair and feather fans of five colors i shall also introduce her father cyrus medill though he is to all appearances flesh and blood he is strange to say commonly known in toledo as the aluminum man but when he sits in his club window with two or three iron men and the white pine man and the brass man they look very much as you and i do only more so if you know what i mean now during the christmas holidays of nineteen nineteen there took place in toledo counting only the people with the italicized the forty-one dinner parties sixteen dances six luncheons male and female twelve teas four stag dinners two weddings and thirteen bridge parties it was the cumulative effect of all this that moved perry parkhurst on the twenty-ninth day of december to a decision this medill girl would marry him and she wouldn't marry him she was having such a good time that she hated to take such a definite step meanwhile their secret engagement had got so long that it seemed as if any day it might break off of its own weight a little man named warburton who knew it all persuaded perry to superman her to get a marriage license and go up to the medill house and tell her she'd have to marry him at once or call it off forever so he presented himself his heart his license and his ultimatum and within five minutes they were in the midst of a violent quarrel a burst of sporadic open fighting such as occurs near the end of all long wars and engagements it brought about one of those ghastly lapses in which two people who are in love pull up sharp look at each other coolly and think it's all been a mistake afterwards they usually kiss wholesomely and assure the other person it was all their fault say it was all my fault say it was i want to hear you say it but while reconciliation was trembling in the air while each was in a measure stalling it off so that they might the more voluptuously and sentimentally enjoy it when it came they were permanently interrupted by a twenty-minute phone call for betty from a garrulous aunt 
at the end of eighteen minutes perry parkhurst urged on by pride and suspicion and injured dignity put on his long fur coat picked up his light brown soft hat and stalked out the door it's all over he muttered brokenly as he tried to jam his car into first it's all over if i have to choke you for an hour damn you the last to the car which had been standing some time and was quite cold he drove downtown that is he got into a snow rut that led him downtown he had slouched down very low in his seat much too dispirited to care where he went in front of the clarendon hotel he was hailed from the sidewalk by a bad man named bailey who had big teeth and lived at the hotel and had never been in love perry said the bad man softly when the roadster drew up beside him at the curb i've got six quarts of the doggone distilled champagne you ever tasted a third of it's yours perry if you'll come upstairs and help martin macy and me drink it bailey said perry tensely i'll drink your champagne i'll drink every drop of it i don't care if it kills me shut up you nut said the bad man gently they don't put wood alcohol in champagne this is the stuff that proves the world is more than six thousand years old it's so ancient that the cork is petrified you have to pull it with a stone drill take me upstairs said perry moodily if that cork sees my heart it'll fall out from pure mortification the room upstairs was full of those innocent hotel pictures of little girls eating apples and sitting in swings and talking to dogs the other decorations were neckties and a pink man reading a pink paper devoted to ladies in pink tights when you have to go into the highways and byways said the pink man looking reproachfully at bailey and perry hello martin macy said perry shortly where is this stone age champagne what's the rush this isn't an operation understand this is a party perry sat down dully and looked disapprovingly at all the neckties bailey leisurely opened the door of a wardrobe and brought out six handsome bottles take off that darned fur coat said martin macy to perry or maybe you'll like to have us open all the windows give me the champagne said perry going to the townsend circus ball tonight am not invited uh-huh why not go oh i'm sick of parties exclaimed perry i'm sick of em i've been to so many that i'm sick of em maybe you're going to the howard tate's party no i tell you i'm sick of em well said macy consolingly the tate's is just for college kids anyways i tell you i thought you'd be going to one of em anyways i see by the papers you haven't missed a one this christmas hm grunted perry morosely he would never go to any more parties classical phrases played in his mind that side of his life was closed closed now when a man says closed closed like that you can be pretty sure that some woman has double closed him so to speak perry was also thinking that other classical thought about how cowardly suicide is a noble thought that one warm and inspiring think of all the fine men we should lose if suicide were not so cowardly an hour later was six o'clock and perry had lost all resemblance to the young man in the liniment advertisement he looked like a rough draft for a riotous cartoon they were singing an impromptu song of bailey's improvisation one lump perry the parlor snake famous through the city for the way he drinks his tea plays with it toys with it makes no noise with it balanced on a napkin on his well-trained knee 
trouble is said perry who had just banged his hair with bailey's comb and was tying an orange tie around it to get the effect of julius caesar that you fellows can't sing worth a darn soon's i leave the air and start singing tenor you start singing tenor too i'm a natural tenor said macy gravely voice lacks cultivation that's all got a natural voice mant used to say naturally good singer singers singers all good singers remarked bailey who was at the telephone no not at the cabaret i want one egg i mean some doggone clerk at's got food food i want julius caesar announced perry turning round from the mirror man of iron will and stern termination shut up yelled bailey say it's mr bailey sent up enormous supper use your own judgment right away he connected the receiver and the hook with some difficulty and then with his lips closed and an expression of solemn intensity in his eyes went to the lower drawer of his dresser and pulled it open look it he commanded in his hands he held a truncated garment of pink gingham pants he exclaimed gravely look it this was a pink blouse a red tie and a buster brown collar look it he repeated costume for the townsend circus ball i'm little boy carries water for the elephants perry was impressed in spite of himself i'm going to be julius caesar he announced after a moment of concentration but you weren't going said macy me sure i'm going never miss a party good for the nerves like celery caesar scoffed bailey can't be caesar he's not about a circus caesar shakespeare go as a clown perry shook his head nope caesar caesar sure chariot light dawned on bailey that's right good idea perry looked round the room searchingly you lend me a bathrobe and this tie he said finally bailey considered no good sure that's all i need caesar was a savage they can't kick if i come as caesar if he was a savage no said bailey shaking his head slowly get a costume over to costumers over at nolax closed up find out after a puzzling five minutes at the phone a small weary voice managed to convince perry that it was mr nolak speaking and that they would remain open until eight because of the townsend's ball thus assured perry ate a great amount of filet mignon and drank his third of the last bottle of champagne at eight fifteen the man in the tall hat who stands in front of the clarendon found him trying to start his roadster froze up said perry wisely the cold's froze it the cold air froze eh yes cold air froze it can't start it nope let it stand here till summer one of those hot old august days will thaw it out all right going to let it stand sure let her stand take a hot thief to steal it gimme taxi the man in the tall hat summoned a taxi where to mister go to nolak's costume fella two mrs nolak was short and ineffectual looking and on the cessation of the national war had belonged for a while to one of the new nationalities owing to unsettled european conditions she had never since been quite sure what she was the shop in which she and her husband performed their daily stint was dim and ghostly and peopled with suits of armour and chinese mandarins and enormous papier-mache birds suspended from the ceiling 
in a vague background many rows of masks glared eyelessly at the visitor and there were glass cases full of crowns and scepters and jewels and enormous stomachers and paints and crepe hair and wigs of all colors when perry ambled into the shop mrs nolak was folding up the last troubles of a strenuous day so she thought in a drawer full of pink silk stockings something for you she queried pessimistically what costume of julius her the charioteer mrs nolak was sorry but every stitch of charioteer had been rented long ago was it for the townsend circus ball it was sorry she said but i don't think there's anything left that's really circus this was an obstacle hmm said perry an idea struck him suddenly if you've got a piece of canvas i could go as a tent sorry but we haven't anything like that a hardware store is where you'd have to go we have some very nice confederate soldiers no no soldiers and i have a very handsome king he shook his head several of the gentlemen she continued hopefully are wearing stovepipe hats and swallowtail coats and going as ringmasters but we're all out of tall hats i can let you have some crepe hair for a moustache want something stinctive something let's see well we have a lion's head and a goose and a camel camel the idea seized perry's imagination gripped it fiercely yes but it needs two people camel that's the idea let me see it the camel was produced from his resting place on a top shelf at first glance he appeared to consist entirely of a very gaunt cadaverous head and a sizable hump but on being spread out he was found to possess a dark brown unwholesome looking body made of thick cottony cloth you see it takes two people explained mrs nolak holding the camel in frank admiration if you have a friend he could be part of it you see there's sort of pants for two people one pairs for the fella in front and the other pair for the fella in back the fella in front does the looking out through these here eyes and the fella in back he's just got to stoop over and follow the front fella around put it on commanded perry obediently mrs nolak put her tabby cat face inside the camel's head and turned it from side to side ferociously perry was fascinated what noise does a camel make what asked mrs nolak as her face emerged somewhat smudgy oh what noise what he sort of brays let me see it in a mirror before a wide mirror perry tried on the head and turned from side to side appraisingly in the dim light the effect was distinctly pleasing the camel's face was a study in pessimism decorated with numerous abrasions and it must be admitted that his coat was in that state of general negligence peculiar to camels in fact he needed to be cleaned and pressed but distinctive he certainly was he was majestic he would have attracted attention in any gathering if only by his melancholy cast of feature and the look of hunger lurking round his shadowy eyes you see you have to have two people said mrs nolak again perry tentatively gathered up the body and legs and wrapped them about him tying the hind legs as a girdle round his waist the effect on the whole was bad it was even irreverent like one of those medieval pictures of a monk changed into a beast by the ministrations of satan at the very best the ensemble resembled a humpbacked cow sitting on her haunches among blankets don't look like anything at all objected perry gloomily no said mrs nolak 
you see you got to have two people a solution flashed upon perry you got a date tonight oh i couldn't possibly oh come on said perry encouragingly sure you can here be good sport and climb into these hind legs with difficulty he located them and extended their yawning depths ingratiatingly but mrs nolak seemed loath she backed perversely away oh no come on you can be the friend if you want to or we'll flip a coin make it worth your while mrs nolak set her lips firmly together now you just stop she said with no coyness implied none of the gentlemen ever acted up this way before my husband you got a husband demanded perry where is he he's home what's telephone number after considerable parley he obtained the telephone number pertaining to the nolak penates and got into communication with that small weary voice he had heard once before that day but mr nolak though taken off his guard and somewhat confused by perry's brilliant flow of logic stuck staunchly to his point he refused firmly but with dignity to help out mr parkhurst in the capacity of back part of a camel having rung off or rather having been rung off on terry sat down on a three-legged stool to think it over he named over to himself those friends on whom he might call and then his mind paused as betty medill's name hazily and sorrowfully occurred to him he had a sentimental thought he would ask her their love affair was over but she could not refuse this last request surely it was not much to ask to help him keep up his end of social obligation for one short night and if she insisted she could be the front part of the camel and he would go as the back his magnanimity pleased him his mind even turned to rosy-coloured dreams of a tender reconciliation inside the camel there hidden away from all the world now you'd better decide right off the bourgeois voice of mrs nolak broke in upon his mellow fancies and roused him to action he went to the phone and called up the medill house miss betty was out had gone out to dinner then when all seemed lost the camel's back wandered curiously into the store he was a dilapidated individual with a cold in his head and a general trend about him of downwardness his cap was pulled down low on his head and his chin was pulled down low on his chest his coat hung down to his shoes he looked run down down at the heels and salvation army to the contrary down and out he said that he was the taxicab driver that the gentleman had hired at the clarendon hotel he had been instructed to wait outside but he had waited some time and a suspicion had grown upon him that the gentleman had gone out the back way with purpose to defraud him gentlemen sometimes did so he had come in he sank down onto the three-legged stool want to go to a party demanded perry sternly i gotta work answered the taxi driver lugubriously i gotta keep my job it's a very good party it's a very good job come on urged perry be a good fella see it's pretty he held the camel up and the taxi driver looked at it cynically huh perry searched feverishly among the folds of the cloth see he cried enthusiastically holding up a selection of folds this is your part you don't even have to talk all you have to do is to walk and sit down occasionally you do all the sitting down think of it i'm on my feet all the time and you can sit down some of the time the only time i can sit down is when we're lying down and you can sit down when oh any time see 
what's that thing demanded the individual dubiously a shroud not at all said perry indignantly it's a camel huh then perry mentioned a sum of money and the conversation left the land of grunts and assumed a practical tinge perry and the taxi driver tried on the camel in front of the mirror you can't see it explained perry peering anxiously out through the eye-holes but honestly old man you look simply great honestly a grunt from the hump acknowledged this somewhat dubious compliment honestly you look great repeated perry enthusiastically move around a little the hind legs moved forward giving the effect of a huge cat camel hunching his back preparatory to a spring no move sideways the camel's hips went neatly out of joint a hula dancer would have writhed in envy good isn't it demanded perry turning to mrs nolak for approval it looks lovely agreed mrs nolak we'll take it said perry the bundle was stowed under perry's arm and they left the shop go to the party he commanded as he took his seat in the back what party fancy dress party whereabouts is it this presented a new problem perry tried to remember but the names of all those who had given parties during the holidays danced confusedly before his eyes he could ask mrs nolak but on looking out the window he saw that the shop was dark mrs nolak had already faded out a little black smudge far down the snowy street drive up town directed perry with fine confidence if you see a party stop otherwise i'll tell you when we get there he fell into a hazy daydream and his thoughts wandered again to betty he imagined vaguely that they had had a disagreement because she refused to go to the party as the back part of the camel he was just slipping off into a chilly doze when he was wakened by the taxi driver opening the door and shaking him by the arm here we are maybe perry looked out sleepily a striped awning led from the curb up to a spreading gray stone house from which issued the low drummy whine of expensive jazz he recognized the howard tate house sure he said emphatically ass it tate's party tonight sure everybody's going say said the individual anxiously after another look at the awning you sure these people ain't gonna romp on me for coming here perry drew himself up with dignity if anyone says anything to you just tell them you're part of my costume the visualization of himself as a thing rather than a person seemed to assure the individual all right he said reluctantly perry stepped out under the shelter of the awning and began unrolling the camel let's go he commanded several minutes later a melancholy hungry-looking camel emitting clouds of smoke from his mouth and from the tip of his noble hump might have been seen crossing the threshold of the howard tate residence passing a startled footman without so much as a snort and heading directly for the main stairs that led up to the ballroom the beast walked with a peculiar gait which varied between an uncertain lockstep and a stampede but can best be described by the word halting the camel had a halting gait and as he walked he alternately elongated and contracted like a gigantic concertina three the howard tates are as everyone who lives in toledo knows the most formidable people in town mrs howard tate was a chicago todd before she became a toledo tate and the family generally affect that conscious simplicity which has begun to be the earmark of american aristocracy the tates have reached the stage where they talk about pigs and farms and look at you icy-eyed if you are not amused 
they have begun to prefer retainers rather than friends as dinner guests spend a lot of money in a quiet way and having lost all sense of competition are in process of growing quite dull the dance this evening was for little millicent tate and though all ages were represented the dancers were mostly from school and college the younger married crowd was at the townsend circus ball up at the tally-ho club mrs tate was standing just inside the ballroom following millicent around with her eyes and beaming whenever she caught her eye beside her were two middle-aged sycophants who were saying what a perfectly exquisite child millicent was it was at this moment that mrs tate was grasped firmly by the skirt and her youngest daughter emily aged eleven hurled herself with an oof into her mother's arms why emily what's the trouble mamma said emily wild-eyed but voluble there's something out on the stairs what there's a thing out on the stairs mamma i think it's a big dog mamma but it doesn't look like a dog what do you mean emily the sycophants waved their heads sympathetically mamma it looks like a like a camel mrs tate laughed you saw a mean old shadow dear that's all no i didn't it was some kind of thing mamma big i was going downstairs to see if there were any more people and this dog or something he was coming upstairs kind of funny mamma like he was lame and then he saw me and gave a sort of growl and then he slipped at the top of the landing and i ran mrs tate's laugh faded the child must have seen something she said the sycophants agreed that the child must have seen something and suddenly all three women took an instinctive step away from the door as the sounds of muffled steps were audible just outside and then three startled gasps rang out as a dark form rounded the corner and they saw what was apparently a huge beast looking down at them hungrily oof cried mrs tate oh cried the ladies in a chorus the camel suddenly humped his back and the gasps turned to shrieks oh look what is it the dancing stopped but the dancers hurrying over got quite a different impression of the invader in fact the young people immediately suspected that it was a stunt a hired entertainer come to amuse the party the boys in long trousers looked at it rather disdainfully and sauntered over with their hands in their pockets feeling that their intelligence was being insulted but the girls uttered little shouts of glee it's a camel well if he isn't the funniest the camel stood there uncertainly swaying slightly from side to side and seeming to take in the room in a careful appraising glance then as if he had come to an abrupt decision he turned and ambled swiftly out the door mr howard tate had just come out of the library on the lower floor and was standing chatting with a young man in the hall suddenly they heard the noise of shouting upstairs and almost immediately a succession of bumping sounds followed by the precipitous appearance at the foot of the stairway of a large brown beast that seemed to be going somewhere in a great hurry now what the devil said mr tate starting the beast picked itself up not without dignity and affecting an air of extreme nonchalance as if he had just remembered an important engagement started at a mixed gait toward the front door in fact his front legs began casually to run see her now said mr tate sternly here grab it butterfield grab it the young man enveloped the rear of the camel in a pair of compelling arms and realizing that further locomotion was impossible the front end submitted to capture and stood resignedly in a state of some agitation by this time a flood of young people was pouring downstairs and mr tate 
suspecting everything from an ingenious burglar to an escaped lunatic gave crisp directions to the young man hold him lead him in here we'll soon see the camel consented to be led into the library and mr tate after locking the door took a revolver from the table drawer and instructed the young man to take the thing's head off then he gasped and returned the revolver to its hiding-place well perry parkhurst he exclaimed in amazement got the wrong party mr tate said perry sheepishly hope i didn't scare you well you gave us a thrill perry realization dawned on him you're bound for the towns and circus ball that's the general idea let me introduce mr butterfield mr parkhurst then turning to perry butterfield is staying with us for a few days i got a little mixed up mumbled perry i'm very sorry perfectly all right most natural mistake in the world i've got a clown rig and i'm going down there myself after a while he turned to butterfield better change your mind and come down with us the young man demurred he was going to bed have a drink perry suggested mr tate thanks i will and say continued tate quickly i've forgotten all about your friend here he indicated the rear part of the camel i didn't mean to seem discourteous is it anyone i know bring him out it's not a friend explained perry hurriedly i just rented him does he drink do you demanded perry twisting himself tortuously around there was a faint sound of assent sure he does said mr tate heartily a really efficient camel ought to be able to drink enough so it'd last him three days i tell you said perry anxiously he isn't exactly dressed up enough to come out if you give me the bottle i can hand it back to him and he can take his inside from under the cloth was audible the enthusiastic smacking sound inspired by this suggestion when a butler had appeared with bottles glasses and siphon one of the bottles was handed back thereafter the silent partner could be heard imbibing long potations at frequent intervals thus passed a benign hour at ten o'clock mr tate decided that they'd better be starting he donned his clown's costume perry replaced the camel's head and side by side they traversed on foot the single block between the tate house and the tallyho club the circus ball was in full swing a great tent-fly had been put up inside the ballroom and round the walls had been built rows of booths representing the various attractions of a circus sideshow but these were now vacated and over the floor swarmed a shouting laughing medley of youth and clowns bearded ladies acrobats bareback riders ringmasters tattooed men and charioteers the townsends had determined to assure their party of success so a great quantity of liquor had been surreptitiously brought over from their house and was now flowing freely a green ribbon ran along the wall completely round the ballroom with pointing arrows alongside and signs which instructed the uninitiated to follow the green line the green line led down to the bar where waited pure punch and wicked punch and plain dark green bottles on the wall above the bar was another arrow red and very wavy and under it the slogan now follow this but even amid the luxury of costume and high spirits represented there the entrance of the camel created something of a stir and perry was immediately surrounded by a curious laughing crowd attempting to penetrate the identity of this beast that stood by the wide doorway eyeing the dancers with his hungry melancholy gaze and then perry saw betty standing in front of a booth talking to a comic policeman she was dressed in the costume of an egyptian snake-charmer her tawny hair was braided and drawn through brass rings 
the effect crowned with a glittering oriental tiara her fair face was stained to a warm olive glow and on her arms and the half-moon of her neck writhed painted serpents with single eyes of venomous green her feet were in sandals and her skirt was slit to the knees so that when she walked one caught a glimpse of other slim serpents painted just above her bare ankles wound about her neck was a glittering cobra altogether a charming costume one that caused the more nervous among the older women to shrink away from her when she passed and the more troublesome ones to make great talk about shouldn't be allowed and perfectly disgraceful but perry peering through the uncertain eyes of the camel saw only her face radiant animated and glowing with excitement and her arms and shoulders whose mobile expressive gestures made her always the outstanding figure in any group he was fascinated and his fascination exercised a sobering effect on him with a growing clarity the events of the day came back rage rose within him and with a half-formed intention of taking her away from the crowd he started toward her or rather he elongated slightly for he had neglected to issue the preparatory command necessary to locomotion but at this point fickle kismet who for a day had played with him bitterly and sardonically decided to reward him in full for the amusement he had afforded her kismet turned the tawny eyes of the snake charmer to the camel kismet led her to lean toward the man beside her and say who's that that camel learned if i know but a little man named warburton who knew it all found it necessary to hazard an opinion it came with mr tate i think part of it's probably warren butterfield the architect from new york who's visiting the tates something stirred in betty medill that age-old interest of the provincial girl in the visiting man oh she said casually after a slight pause at the end of the next dance betty and her partner finished up within a few feet of the camel with the informal audacity that was the keynote of the evening she reached out and gently rubbed the camel's nose hello old camel the camel stirred uneasily you afraid of me said betty lifting her eyebrows in reproof don't be you see i'm a snake charmer but i'm pretty good at camels too the camel bowed very low and someone made the obvious remark about beauty and the beast mrs townsend approached the group well mr butterfield she said helpfully i wouldn't have recognized you perry bowed again and smiled gleefully behind his mask and who is this with you she inquired oh said perry his voice muffled by the thick cloth and quite unrecognizable he isn't a fellow mrs townsend he's just part of my costume mrs townsend laughed and moved away perry turned again to betty so he thought this is how much she cares on the very day of our final rupture she starts a flirtation with another man an absolute stranger on an impulse he gave her a soft nudge with his shoulder and waved his head suggestively toward the hall making it clear that he desired her to leave her partner and accompany him bye-bye russ she called to her partner this old camel's got me where are we going prince of beasts the noble animal made no rejoinder but stalked gravely along in the direction of a secluded nook on the side stairs there she seated herself and the camel after some seconds of confusion which included gruff orders and sounds of a heated dispute going on in his interior placed himself beside her his hind legs stretching out uncomfortably across two steps well old egg said betty cheerfully how do you like our happy party the old egg indicated that he liked it by rolling his head ecstatically and executing a gleeful kick with his hoofs 
this is the first time that i ever had a tete-a-tete -tete with a man's valet around she pointed to the hind legs or whatever that is oh mumbled perry he's deaf and blind i should think you'd feel rather handicapped you can't very well toddle even if you want to the camel hung his head lugubriously i wish you'd say something continued betty sweetly say you like me camel say you think i'm beautiful say you'd like to belong to a pretty snake charmer the camel would will you dance with me camel the camel would try betty devoted half an hour to the camel she devoted at least half an hour to all visiting men it was usually sufficient when she approached a new man the current debutantes were accustomed to scatter right and left like a close column deploying before a machine-gun and so to perry parkhurst was awarded the unique privilege of seeing his love as others saw her he was flirted with violently four this paradise of frail foundation was broken into by the sounds of a general ingress to the ballroom the cotillion was beginning betty and the camel joined the crowd her brown hand resting lightly on his shoulder defiantly symbolizing her complete adoption of him when they entered the couples were already seating themselves at tables round the walls and mrs townsend resplendent as a super bareback rider with rather too rotund calves was standing in the centre with the ringmaster in charge of arrangements at a signal to the band every one rose and began to dance isn't it just slick sighed betty do you think you can possibly dance perry nodded enthusiastically he felt suddenly exuberant after all he was here incognito talking to his love he could wink patronizingly at the world so perry danced the cotillion i say dance but that is stretching the word far beyond the wildest dreams of the jazziest terpsichorean he suffered his partner to put her hands on his helpless shoulders and pull him here and there over the floor while he hung his huge head docilely over her shoulder and made futile dummy motions with his feet his hind legs danced in a manner all their own chiefly by hopping first on one foot and then on the other never being sure whether dancing was going on or not the hind legs played safe by going through a series of steps whenever the music started playing so the spectacle was frequently presented of the front part of the camel standing at ease and the rear keeping up a constant energetic motion calculated to rouse a sympathetic perspiration in any soft-hearted observer he was frequently favored he danced first with a tall lady covered with straw who announced jovially that she was a bale of hay and coyly begged him not to eat her i'd like to you're so sweet said the camel gallantly each time the ringmaster shouted his call of men up he lumbered ferociously for betty with the cardboard wienerwurst or the photograph of the bearded lady or whatever the favor chanced to be sometimes he reached her first but usually his rushes were unsuccessful and resulted in intense interior arguments for heaven's sake perry would snarl fiercely between his clenched teeth you got a little pep i could have gotten her that time if you'd picked your feet up oh give me a little warning i did darn you i can't see a doggone thing in here all you have to do is follow me it's just like dragging a load of sand around to walk with you maybe you want to try back here you shut up if these people found you in this room they'd give you the worst beating you ever had they'd take your taxi license away from you perry surprised himself by the ease with which he made this monstrous threat but it seemed to have a soporific influence on his companion for he gave out an ah go on, and subsided into abashed silence 
the ringmaster mounted to the top of the piano and waved his hand for silence prizes he cried gather round yea prizes self-consciously the circle swayed forward the rather pretty girl who had mustered the nerve to come as a bearded lady trembled with excitement thinking to be rewarded for an evening's hideousness the man who had spent the afternoon having tattoo marks painted on him skulked on the edge of the crowd blushing furiously when anyone told him he was sure to get it lady and gent performers of the circus announced the ringmaster jovially i am sure we will all agree that a good time has been had by all we will now bestow honour where honour is due by bestowing the prizes mrs townsend has asked me to bestow the prizes now fellow performers the first prize is for that lady who has displayed this evening the most striking becoming at this point the bearded lady sighed resignedly and original costume here the bale of hay pricked up her ears now i am sure that the decision which has been agreed upon will be unanimous with all here present the first prize goes to miss betty medill the charming egyptian snake charmer there was a burst of applause chiefly masculine and miss betty medill blushing beautifully through her olive paint was passed up to receive her award with a tender glance the ringmaster handed down to her a huge bouquet of orchids and now he continued looking round him the other prize is for that man who has the most amusing and original costume this prize goes without dispute to a guest in our midst a gentleman who is visiting here but whose stay we all hope will be long and merry in short to the noble camel who has entertained us all by his hungry look and his brilliant dancing throughout the evening he ceased and there was a violent clapping and yeaing for it was a popular choice the prize a large box of cigars was put aside for the camel as he was anatomically unable to accept it in person and now continued the ringmaster we will wind up the cotillion with the marriage of mirth to folly form for the grand wedding march the beautiful snake charmer and the noble camel in front betty skipped forward cheerily and wound an olive arm around the camel's neck behind them formed the procession of little boys little girls country jakes fat ladies thin men sword swallowers wild men of borneo and armless wonders many of them well in their cups all of them excited and happy and dazzled by the flow of light and colour round them and by the familiar faces strangely unfamiliar under bizarre wigs and barbaric paint the voluptuous chords of the wedding march done in blasphemous syncopation issued in a delirious blend from the trombones and saxophones and the march began aren't you glad camel demanded betty sweetly as they stepped off aren't you glad we're going to be married and you're going to belong to the nice snake charmer ever afterward the camel's front legs pranced expressing excessive joy minister minister where's the minister cried voices out of the revel who's going to be the clergyman the head of jumbo obese negro waiter at the tally-ho club for many years appeared rashly through a half-opened pantry door oh jumbo get old jumbo he's the fella come on jumbo how about marrying us a couple Yay! jumbo was seized by four comedians stripped of his apron and escorted to a raised dais at the head of the ball there his collar was removed and replaced backside forward with ecclesiastical effect the parade separated into two lines leaving an aisle for the bride and groom lawdy man roared old jumbo 
i got old bible and everything show enough he produced a battered bible from an interior pocket yay jumbo's got a bible razor too i'll bet together the snake charmer and the camel ascended the cheering aisle and stopped in front of jumbo where's your license camel a man nearby prodded perry give him a piece of paper anything'll do perry fumbled confusedly in his pocket found a folded paper and pushed it out through the camel's mouth holding it upside down jumbo pretended to scan it earnestly this is a special camel's license he said get your ring ready camel inside the camel perry turned round and addressed his worst half give me a ring for heaven's sake i ain't got none protested a weary voice you have i saw it i ain't gonna take it off in my hand if you don't i'll kill you there was a gasp and perry felt a huge affair of rhinestone and brass inserted into his hand again he was nudged from the outside speak up i do cried perry quickly he heard betty's responses given in a debonair tone and even in this burlesque the sound thrilled him then he pushed the rhinestone through a tear in the camel's coat and was slipping it on her finger muttering ancient and historic words after jumbo he didn't want anyone to know about this ever his one idea was to slip away without having to disclose his identity for mr tate had so far kept his secret well a dignified young man perry and this might injure his infant law practice embrace the bride unmask camel and kiss her instinctively his heart beat high as betty turned to him laughingly and began to strike the cardboard muzzle he felt his self-control giving way he longed to surround her with his arms and declare his identity and kiss those lips that smiled only a foot away when suddenly the laughter and applause round them died off and a curious hush fell over the hall perry and betty looked up in surprise jumbo had given vent to a huge hello in such a startled voice that all eyes were bent on him hello he said again he had turned round the camel's marriage license which he had been holding upside down produced spectacles and was studying it agonizingly why he exclaimed and in the pervading silence his words were heard plainly by everyone in the room this yes show enough marriage permit what huh say it again jumbo sure you can read jumbo waved them to silence and perry's blood burned to fire in his veins as he realized the break he had made yes sir repeated jumbo this yes a show enough license and the parties concerned one of em is this yeah young lady miss betty medill and others mr perry parkhurst there was a general gasp and a low rumble broke out as all eyes fell on the camel betty shrank away from him quickly her tawny eyes giving out sparks of fury is you mr parkhurst you camel perry made no answer the crowd pressed up closer and stared at him he stood frozen rigid with embarrassment his cardboard face still hungry and sardonic as he regarded the ominous jumbo y'all better speak up said jumbo slowly this year's a mighty serious matter outside my duties at this club i happens to be a show enough minister in the first colored baptist church it done took to me as though y'all is gone and got married Five the scene that followed will go down forever in the annals of the tally-ho club stout matrons fainted one hundred per cent americans swore wild-eyed debutantes babbled in lightning groups instantly formed and instantly dissolved 
and a great buzz of chatter virulent yet oddly subdued hummed through the chaotic ballroom feverish youths swore they would kill perry or jumbo or themselves or someone and the baptist preacher was besieged by a tempestuous covey of clamorous amateur lawyers asking questions making threats demanding precedence ordering the bonds annulled and especially trying to ferret out any hint of prearrangement in what had occurred in the corner mrs townsend was crying softly on the shoulder of mr howard tate who was trying vainly to comfort her they were exchanging all my faults volubly and voluminously outside on a snow-covered walk mr cyrus medill the aluminum man was being paced slowly up and down between two brawny charioteers giving vent now to a string of unrepeatables now to wild pleadings that they'd just let him get at jumbo he was facetiously attired for the evening as a wild man of borneo and the most exacting stage manager would have acknowledged any improvement in casting the part to be quite impossible meanwhile the two principals held the real centre of the stage betty medill or was it betty parkhurst stormed furiously was surrounded by the plainer girls the prettier ones were too busy talking about her to pay much attention to her and over on the other side of the hall stood the camel still intact except for his headpiece which dangled pathetically on his chest perry was earnestly engaged in making protestations of his innocence to a ring of angry puzzled men every few minutes just as he had apparently proved his case someone would mention the marriage certificate and the inquisition would begin again a girl named marion cloud considered the second best belle of toledo changed the gist of the situation by a remark she said to betty well she said maliciously it'll all blow over dear the courts will annul it without question betty's angry tears dried miraculously in her eyes her lips shut tight together and she looked stonily at marion then she rose and scattering her sympathizers right and left walked directly across the room to perry who stared at her in terror again silence crept down upon the room will you have the decency to grant me five minutes conversation or wasn't that included in your plans he nodded his mouth unable to form words indicating coldly that he was to follow her she walked out into the hall with her chin uptilted and headed for the privacy of one of the little card rooms perry started after her but was brought to a jerky halt by the failure of his hind legs to function you stay here he commanded savagely i can't whined a voice from the hump unless you get out first and let me out perry hesitated but unable any longer to tolerate the eyes of the curious crowd he muttered a command and the camel moved carefully from the room on its four legs betty was waiting for him well she began furiously you see what you've done you and that crazy license i told you you shouldn't have gotten it my dear girl i don't say dear girl to me save that for your real wife if ever you get one after this disgraceful performance and don't try to pretend it wasn't all arranged you know you gave that colored waiter money you know you did do you mean to say you didn't try to marry me no of course yes you'd better admit it you tried it and now what are you going to do you know my father's nearly crazy it'll serve you right if he tries to kill you he'll take his gun and put some cold steel in you even if this wed this thing can be annulled it'll hang over me all the rest of my life perry could not resist quoting softly oh camel wouldn't you like to belong to the pretty snake charmer for all your shut up cried betty there was a pause betty said perry finally there's only one thing to do that will get us out clear that's for you to marry me marry you 
yes really it's the only you shut up i wouldn't marry you if if i know if i were the last man on earth but if you care anything about your reputation reputation she cried you're a nice one to think about my reputation now why didn't you think about my reputation before you hired that horrible jumbo to to perry tossed up his hands hopelessly very well i'll do anything you want lord knows i renounce all claims but said a new voice i don't perry and betty started and she put her hand to her heart for heaven's sake what was that it's me said the camel's back in a moment perry had whipped off the camel's skin and a lax limp object his clothes hanging on him damply his hand clenched tightly on an almost empty bottle stood defiantly before them oh cried betty you brought that object in here to frighten me you told me he was deaf that awful person the camel's back sat down on a chair with a sigh of satisfaction don't talk that way about me lady i ain't no person i'm your husband husband the cry was wrung simultaneously from betty and perry why sure i'm as much your husband as that gink is the smoke didn't marry you to the camel's front he married you to the whole camel why that's my ring you got on your finger with a little yelp she snatched the ring from her finger and flung it passionately at the floor what's all this demanded perry dazedly just thought you'd better fix me and fix me right if you don't i'm a-gonna have the same claim you got to being married to her that's bigamy said perry turning gravely to betty then came the supreme moment of perry's evening the ultimate chance on which he risked his fortunes he rose and looked first at betty where she sat weakly aghast at this new complication and then at the individual who swayed from side to side on his chair uncertainly menacingly very well said perry slowly to the individual you can have her betty i'm going to prove to you that as far as i'm concerned our marriage was entirely accidental i'm going to renounce utterly my rights to have you as my wife and give you to to the man whose ring you wear your lawful husband there was a pause and four horror-stricken eyes were turned on him good-bye betty he said brokenly don't forget me in your new-found happiness i'm going to leave for the far west on the morning train think of me kindly betty with a last glance at them he turned and his head rested on his chest as his hand touched the doorknob good-bye he repeated he turned the doorknob but at this sound the snakes and silk and tawny hair precipitated themselves violently toward him oh perry don't leave me perry perry take me with you her tears flowed damply on his neck calmly he folded his arms about her i don't care she cried i love you and if you can wake up a minister at this hour and have it done over again i'll go west with you over her shoulder the front part of the camel looked at the back part of the camel and they exchanged a particularly subtle esoteric sort of wink that only true camels can understand end of section three read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california shaggybark.blogspot.com